What's up, everybody? You are listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 104. And on this week's show, we're going to be talking about the new film from Robert Eggers, The Northman. Should be a fun one. My name is Matt. Let me introduce my co-host, Travis. What's going on, dude? Hello, hello. It is just the two of us today. Yeah, we haven't had one of these in uh, quite a long time. I think probably since the early days of the show. I know we were without Tom a couple times, and we did uh, a few episodes, just the two of us, but it's been a while. It is not the same without the tripod, but uh, we will make do. We'll persevere. Still going to be a good episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. So before we get into the review... Travis, something uh, pretty big happened in your life since we last recorded. You want to tell the listeners? Mm -hmm. I am officially a married man. Mm -hmm. The old ball and chain is officially locked to you. The key has been thrown away. You are stuck together. Ten years in the making. Mm -hmm. It was huge. Yeah, it was a great day. Uh, Felt celebrated and loved. And uh, I think that's what you want coming out of a wedding, so... I think so. I would, yeah, I would call it a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, Haley and I uh, made the trip out there for the wedding. So that was uh, Tom was there too. So that was the first time the three oh, yeah. of us had been uh, in the same room together since uh, I believe Tom's Oscar Oscars party right before the pandemic. I believe, unless I'm mistaken, I think that would have been the last time the three of us were in a room together, right? Yeah, either that or. The last episode we did <laughs> in house, which know, not, re- not remote. I don't remember which episode that was. The the um, not the lighthouse. What's the one with uh, Riley Keough? The snow in the snow. She goes crazy. Oh, the lodge. The lodge. Yeah, one of the best films of twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> that according to you and Tom. and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember. That might have been the last time we were all together. Well, I don't know. Not important. Anyways, we hadn't seen each other together in person in a long time. So that was pretty cool. But uh, we did uh, capture a photo. Yes, there's photographic evidence. Not be posting on our (laughs) social media. (laughs) Well, I posted it on mine, but well, I'll make it the fucking uh, thumbnail for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, But yeah, it was a it was a jolly good time. Um, it's good to see you and Chelsea and uh, all of our gang of misfits that I also hadn't seen in a long time since I moved away. So pretty cool. It was a uh, a success for sure. It's awesome to see everybody. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. What's what else is what else is new? How's married life? Anything else going on that we need to update the listeners on? Um, married life is very similar to non-married life, <laughs> but uh, beyond that. I've been, uh, you know, just trying to get back to a normal life after all the wedding planning and, um, you know, activities. But uh, we did a little mini moon in Portland the, the previous weekend, so last weekend. That was fun. Had a, a lot of good beer and a lot of good food. Didn't do too much beyond that. Did see Petite Maman in Portland, so oh, talk about shit. that a little bit later you lucky dog and then um 
the new Apex season dropped this past week. So, you oh know, boy. I've been busy. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> How is it? Uh, it is great. There's uh, some big ranked changes. So I think people are, well, I think people are mixed on the changes because it seems harder to grind now and gain points, but it also seems like a more fair system. And then uh, the new character, Newcastle, is very similar to Gibraltar, but he's actually viable. He's like a mix of Rampart, Lifeline, and Gibraltar, if you uh, follow along at home. I know all of those names except Rampart, and I don't care enough to ask you to She's, elaborate. But. <laughs> I, I will. She's the uh, defense wall turret character. I thought that was Watson. She's she's like a electric fence. Uh different fence. Yeah. Def- defense <laughs> defense fence chick. I see. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I uh I briefly dabbled in in Apex like 6 months ago after I got burnt out on Warzone, but just uh didn't get into it, you know. It's not a very inviting game, especially like the solo experience is lacking for sure so mm-hmm. I, c- I could see that being an issue yeah <laughs> trying to get back into it <laughs> i'm always hesitant to uh invite new players into the game because uh i know what they're getting into and it's apex is a different beast that's all i'll say you uh i will say you travis have a reputation in apex amongst the friends group friend group that oh, you're yeah. uh, pretty <laughs> hardcore pretty <laughs> hardcore I've uh I've tried to be better about that the last few months just because uh <laughs> it got to a point where all I was doing was killing the vibes and nothing was really, you know, coming of it. So I'm learning. Mm-hmm. It's reor <laughs> just changing attitude, all this. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm happy to hear him. All right. Well, uh let's see, what do I have? Oh, not that the listeners probably care, but I, I, I want to tell you this, Travis. So, uh, you know that I love Great Notion and uh, can't mm-hmm. really get Great Notion out here. Um, so, there's a bottle shop that Haley and I go to, very close to us, that we've been going to since we moved here. And uh, we fly out to Seattle. And the day after we land in Seattle, guess what the bottle shop in Florida gets? Fucking Great Notion. They had four kegs and like several different cans as soon as we leave. And I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me. What kind of cosmic (laughs) bullshit is this? (laughs) I could not fucking believe it. Thankfully, we got some great notion, you know, while we were in Seattle. So it wasn't the end of the world. So the Florida bottle shop was tapped when you got back? So they we did go back and they did have cans of um one of the baked series that they do mm. uh it was like the hazelnut raspberry or something like that so we were able to get some of those i guess mm-hmm. people on the east coast just probably aren't as familiar with great notion so maybe they just didn't know what they were missing because the cans you know <laughs> stuck around for longer than i would have anticipated but right they were charging an arm and a leg for pours from the kegs like you've had blueberry muffin, right? Like one of their mm-hmm. best beers. They were charging eleven dollars for a ten ounce pour of that shit. 
Wow. Liquid gold. That's ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> so hard pass on that. But um, I still, I couldn't fucking believe it. I'm thankful that we were able to, you know, still get a four pack here, but I about lost my goddamn mind. So Great Notion must be expanding their zone. No, uh, the guys told us that there was like a, a huge uh, beer festival in Miami. Mm. So Great Notion was at it. So they they're distribute they brought a bunch of beer with them so i guess some of the local distributors were able to like get their hands on great notion that's the only reason why at least that's what the people at the bottle shop said we're gonna flip this shit and make a killing (laughs) 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 and uh, i'm sure they did charging that much for fucking (laughs) 10 ounces of beer but what can you do what can you do hey i've spent like 12 dollars on a can of beer so i i know the feeling Oh, I've spent more than that. That's nothing, you know. Sometimes <laughs> you got to give the heart what it wants. Have you ever had um, a Prairie Bomb, their stout? I have actually. It's very good. The is it Prairie Artisan Ales? Right? Yeah, the brewery. Yep. Yeah, I've had a few of their stouts and maybe like one or two of their sours. I, I do like their stouts a lot. Yeah, so they're they're like. F- flagship beer that they're most known for is is bomb and back when i was first getting into craft beer in like 2013 2014 um i I went to uh san francisco with my girlfriend at the time and uh found a bar that had bottles of of bomb so but i paid like 15 dollars for like a 12 ounce bottle of it (laughs) i didn't know any better and you know it was like i've never seen it before you can find that shit everywhere now, but at the time, right. I was like, "Oh my god, this is this might be my only opportunity ever to have this." <laughs> so I dropped fifteen bucks on it, but you know, it happens. It's it's still pricey though. I I recently bought some of their twelve ounce bottles, and I think they ranged anywhere from like twelve to fifteen bucks. They're not cheap. Yeah, they're more accessible, but that for some reason hasn't made the price drop. So the one brewery that is insane for their pricing and. It may do to where they are located. Have you ever heard of Anchorage Brewing? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. I don't recall their beer being very good, but is they're it? out of uh, Alaska, and um, I had a black sour of theirs that was really good. It was a little different, but I was loving it. Uh, but their stouts go for like forty to sixty dollars, and it's like a three, Jesus. you know, like three hundred seventy-five milliliter bottle, whatever that converts to in ounces <laughs> maybe 12 i don't know <laughs> i have no but idea. uh yeah that price point is kind of ridiculous one day i will try one of their stouts but have yet to pull the trigger on one of their bottles they are also hard, hard to find but every once in a while you'll see them pop up on like tavor or uh there was a bottle shop in portland that had one but yeah it was like 40 something bucks so i did not pull the trigger just take the trip. Probably cheaper to fly to Anchorage <laughs> yeah, and just right. get it from the source. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. One of these days we'll get the boys together and we'll do a, a, a beercation and just go to all the beer hot spots. We'll go to Asheville, North Carolina. We'll go to Massachusetts, hit up Treehouse and some of the like Vermont and Connecticut breweries. It's going to be huge. I'm in. And when you move back, we can do uh, some in-home tastings now that I'm uh, into beer. I wasn't really into beer 
when you lived here. <laughs> Not in the same way. Previously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very casual beer drinker. But now I'm I'm hooked. Mm-hmm. It's 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 big. It's gonna be a blast. We'll we'll get, bring you up to Bellingham and do uh, some brewery hopping in Bellingham. We'll do some tastings out of your beer cellar at your house. <laughs> Weekend trip to Portland. Oh man. Oh man. Get ready. Check in galore on Untapped. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, listeners have probably fallen asleep or turned it off yeah. at this point. We're but, turning uh, into Sutton <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this show on the road. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Let's talk the fucking Northmen. We got a clip. Let's listen in. A fielder's touch will not linger on me when I leave this island. Martin will. Now I've found the cold eye and I will strike him down. When will you do it? When I must. For now I will haunt this farm like a hungry corpse returned from the grave. The only thing Samlet is long dead. Yes, but what of your mother? She will revel in Fjolnir's anguish. She only feigns her love to protect her child. Won't she wish... When I free her, I will bring the boy if I must. They've moved me back into the kitchen. A plan will have to wait. Okay, so The Northman is the latest film from visionary director Robert Eggers, a.k.a. Bob Egghead. It's written by Robert Eggers and... His his brother, do you know how to say this motherfucker's name? Sean, Jean, Sean, some Viking ass name. You know what I'm talking about, right? S J O N. That's his brother. I mean, he's got the same last name. Is it his dad or? I don't know. See, Jean, Sean. I don't know. He has the same last name. I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. Mm. I think this guy is a. Um, like an Icelandic staple of some sort. Oh, you know what threw me off? It's because the credits say Sean, Sean and Robert Eggers. And I took that to oh. mean like they're both eggheads is what I took right. it to mean. <laughs> but uh, I, see now, I see now that's not the case. <laughs> okay. Well, this motherfucker who goes by one name, fucking Bjork ass bitch, also wrote this film. And the film stars... York, of course, in her first film appearance since uh, Dancer in the Dark, I believe, which is huge. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, the queen herself, Nicole Kidman, the king, Ethan Hawke, and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Pretty stacked cast list. A lot of uh, egghead regulars. You got Willem Dafoe in there, too. Um, Oh, yeah. So, listeners know, uh, Robert Eggers is... Huge in Travis's eyes. You love mm-hmm. love the lighthouse. I do love it. Yes, and the witch. You like the lighthouse more than the witch at this point, right? Um, probably. I would need to watch the witch again, but I don't know if people remember. But um, I mean, we didn't talk about it too much because we started the show, you know, early twenty seventeen, and mm-hmm. the witch came out April. 2016 i think Mm -hmm. and i did not like the witch on first go and it was all due to the thick accents i could not understand a fucking word that anyone was saying yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> and therefore I was pretty checked out of the movie and um as a result was not the biggest fan. But when I rewatched it at home with the subtitles, it was huge. And so I corrected that and um yeah, I was a huge fan of the lighthouse, so obviously was excited for this one. My star rating has been out on the web for a couple weeks now, so if you follow me on Letterboxd, you already know how I feel about this one. So maybe Matt kicks this one off. Sure. All right. Well, uh, I have a, a a slightly different relationship with Robert Eggers. I, I love The Witch. I don't think it's a masterpiece like a lot of people think it is. I liked The Lighthouse, but was uh, a bit underwhelmed and not super into the i don't know maybe i just didn't find the humor in it as much as some people but i <laughs> i just it's a little too weird uh for but me you anyway. haven't rewatched it right that's correct i still have not rewatched it i will um but it visually loved it Love the performances, but I was just a little like, I don't really know why I'm watching this movie kind of vibes, you know, it just, it's not typically the kind of movie that I am super into, but I admired it for what it is. So going into the Northman, um, I was pretty excited, um, but not like cream in my jeans or anything. Right. So I, I will say I'm still trying to figure out just how much I liked it, but I really liked it. I I will say this immediately after leaving the theater, Haley and I got in the car and I put on fucking Amon Amarth. You ever listen to them? I have not, but oh, I can probably man. guess their sound based on where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so Amon Amarth have been around for a long time, like probably 20 years. And I was super into them when I was in high school. Um, it's Viking metal. Like, it's Hell it's yeah. the best. You would love it. <laughs> they're 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 all like six five like Swedish dudes with big beards, and all of their songs are about like Norse mythology and like battles and shit. So every song is about like Odin and taking your axe and you know going into battle for victory and honor and all this shit. So I was like, the reason why I immediately jumped to Amon and Marth is because the Northman is metal as fuck. Like aesthetically, oh, yeah. there's just like a primal energy <clears throat> that goes through the whole thing, and it's it's messy and it's it's beautiful and like it's so weird that a studio just gave Robert Eggers I don't know exactly how much money, but a lot of money to make a Viking epic without it feeling like dumbed down or like watered down or something, you know, like. I'll say up front, it's not nearly as weird as the lighthouse. Like that's for fucking sure. But mm -hmm. there are definitely touches, particularly visually that have Robert Eggers all over it. You know what I mean? So I, I admired that he was somehow able to make an epic Viking revenge film that still feels like it fits into his, his oeuvre, if that makes sense. Right. Um, but yeah, to your point, um, I think the, the metal or yeah, the music is obviously very metal, but then on top of that, um, God, where was I going with this? 
Um, what was <laughs> <laughs> Just totally blanked. Uh, it being uh, Robert Eggers' film, even though <clears throat> it's like a big budget epic. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, to your point, I think it is still very much in his wheelhouse, but maybe due to the budget or studio interference, it maybe not it was maybe not as weird as it could have been. Or, you know, not weird, but I guess out there or not that it was like mainstream, but you could tell that it could have, you know, if it had a lesser budget, it probably would have been a little more weird or out there. Well, and 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 uh, Egghead has like expressed that there was a significant amount of of studio interference, you know, that like it. It's not the movie that he would have made if he had full creative control, which just makes yeah. it even more like admirable that like this is he still was able to get this movie out, you know what I mean? But I I can mm-hmm. imagine I honestly kind of feel like I might have liked the movie less if he, I mean <laughs> if it was more like the lighthouse. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. It's really hard to say because, like, part of the reason why, like, I'm not fully head over heels with the movie, and and maybe you can speak to this too, is that it is ultimately a pretty generic, like, revenge story in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of Hamlet in the story. There's the uh, king who's killed by an uncle who, uh, you know, is married to his. Uh, his not mistress uh, his widow so you know he's like trying to avenge the death of his father kind of thing so there's a lot of parallels there but I mean it we can I don't know if we need to do a full spoiler section but it does subvert those expectations a little bit towards the end with the whole Nicole Kidman uh, the queen's reveal in a sense of you know her perspective I thought was a neat touch but ultimately Mm -hmm. it's like we've seen versions of this story a million times before right so like someone who's a young boy and their father gets killed and they uh, vow vengeance and they move their way up and it takes a really long time and like they're just fully focused on nothing but revenge and it's about how that can be poisonous and it's just you know, a lot of the beats we've seen plenty of times, but the way that it's constructed and the way it's filmed and the performances like really makes it feel, I'm not going to say original, but definitely watchable. <laughs> like this is his most entertaining film by a mile, I would say. Yeah, it is a tale as old as time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I do, I do like when movies are like that um, because you can really just focus on the filmmaking aspects. You don't really need to focus on the story because there's not, it's not really telling a new story, you know? Um, but, and and that could be a fault, but I, 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 while watching this movie, even though I knew where it was going for the most part, I was like always like, you know, eager for the next scene while, like I was still, you know, I was, along for the ride the entire time even though i i kind of knew where it was going right it's not it's not so generic that you're like why am i watching this <laughs> like right <it's>, even <laughs> though a lot of the beats are familiar it's unlike anything we've ever seen and i what i mean by that is 
just everything feels so carefully constructed in the sense of like the production design and the aesthetic like it's very it's badass and it is very messy like I don't know how much of this you noticed but like I was very struck by I'm not going to describe it as sloppy but like some of the camera movements were like how do I describe it like in particular I don't I know it's been a couple weeks since you've seen it but that that first battle scene after Alexander Skarsgård's character is like grown up and these these clan of like wolf when they like Vikings. storm the yeah when they not a castle but the the fort or whatever mm-hmm. like the way that sequence is filmed it's I can't remember if it's a, if it's made to look like it's a single take or I think there are maybe a couple takes but it's a lot of the camera following Skarsgård's character but mm-hmm. the camera will like pan slowly almost kind of sluggish and it's almost like you're missing some of the action like there will be something happening on the side of the screen and then the camera will just like whip towards a moment of action almost like a like a staccato movement like it whips and focuses on like a you know him hitting somebody with the axe and like recenters it right when the action occurs but the movement of the camera is like I don't know. I found it jarring because we're so used to movies like this having so many cuts, you know, like both mm-hmm. to hide to hide the action. Like, you know, when you're dealing with like sword fights and stuff, like you're typically cutting away from the person being hit with uh, the axe or whatever, you know, because you need to hide that stuff. But mm-hmm. I was very struck by like his vision behind the camera and the way he chose to film certain scenes of just like kind of bizarre camera movement that was um, clearly a deliberate choice. And I don't know if you can chalk it up to like the filming conditions. Like I'm sure it was probably a difficult set just based on where they were, where they were filming. But I don't know. Did did you find that it was just kind of like maybe unconventional is a good word to use just the way the camera moves around and, less cuts than you would typically see in a movie like this. Yeah, because we're dealing with a great film. A visionary. Yeah. A, he's a maestro <laughs> behind the camera, dude. What do you expect? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely felt that while watching it. Um, I think that was probably the biggest highlight was the filmmaking and then just like his dedication to like authenticity I mean, I don't know a ton of, like, you know, Viking lore, but I know Eggers at least has a reputation for going all in on the research and um, just trying to make his movies feel as, like, lived in and as authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, like we touched on, the story is really nothing new, but the filmmaking was definitely top-notch. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just go into my general impressions. So I did love it. It might be my least favorite of the three movies, um, mm. but we'll see how that uh, changes with a rewatch because I, I did catch most of the dialogue in this one, but I do feel like there were some moments that could have uh, you know, played better with subtitles. So I am excited to rewatch it. Uh, I did really like the cast and mm-hmm. 
I thought Alexander Skarsgård really, um, like he just felt, yeah, like he the the role he felt like very lived in for him, uh, like just his physique and just like the primal nature of his character and I don't know, like he really sold, you know, himself as that character because some of the stuff in this movie could have been laughable like when they're like you know pretending to like be dogs or wolves or whatever like if you don't do that correctly I feel like it could be kind of corny or take you out of the movie but I think they completely sold it I I will disagree slightly um (laughs) was not a fan of the show me you're a man and then he proceeds to burp and then he's like show me you're a man pup and he farts and I'm just like god this guy loves farts and burps, dude. <laughs> God. I w- that was the one moment where I was like, oh, my God. Like, I get it. Like, I think part of the point is that it's like. It's it was a-, a different time back then, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, obviously, that's what the movie is going for. Like, I think there's a very deliberate choice to kind of make the movie feel like as alien as possible to a modern audience in the sense of there's a ton of like rituals and stuff in this movie. Like everything is ritualized, but everything, especially in a spiritual sense is played literally, you know, like Valhalla is not like some dream mystical representation in this movie like Valhalla is a real thing that exists in this movie right and like mm-hmm. shapeshifters and like the raven the spirit of the raven shit like all of that stuff is played completely straight based on you know mythology and like what people thought in the day like it's not played as like oh they think this stuff is real like in this world all of this stuff and their customs like exist you know so it it feels alien and i think that is part of it like that animalistic nature has to be there it's that scene just for whatever it was it it played as corny because i just picture the the reason why it plays corny for me is because i just picture like being in that room and watching ethan hawk and this kid fucking crawling around (laughs) you know like i just that's why that mo that one moment in particular felt corny to me so to your point i agree with you i just (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that one scene in particular, I was like, okay, I'm sorry, Egghead, I can't. Yeah, that one probably took it the furthest, but for the most <laughs> part, I think they did a pretty good job of balancing that stuff. Oh, definitely. Um, well, so l- l- let me hand this over to you. You gave your general impressions. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Let's. Uh, I know you said well, it's probably actually, your least favorite, but... To yeah, piggyback yeah. off of what you were saying, um, I do like it it's in all of his movies, but how he mixes like the, the period or like the, the realism or authenticity with like, you know, mythicism or like mythical mysticism. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, that's like in all of his movies. And like you said, it, it plays as, as if this stuff exists in the world of the movie. And I like that balance of like how there's always like in, like some sort of like magical element in his movies. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's part of what makes him such an exciting director. Like nobody's making movies like this guy, you know? So it's like every time he has a new project coming out, I'm just like, even though his work 
doesn't resonate with me in the same way that other filmmakers do just because it, it doesn't really play to my sensibilities. I still love his movies a lot just because they're so original and he's just so committed to his vision and he's just such a talented filmmaker that even though there's not like, you know, some humanistic, like sobby, you know, like the kind of stuff that I'm typically more into, like the metaphysical, like, yeah, there's not enough uh, Charlie Kaufman in this. Right. I'm really looking for (laughs) more of a Charlie Kaufman influence here. So, you know, it's a bummer that I'm not getting that so far, but I mean, who knows? Maybe the fourth feature film will be a Charlie Kaufman screenplay. Can you imagine? Or what if uh, Eggers tackles sci-fi? That could be huge. That would be huge. Although I don't know if that, that would be cool, but just based on his track record so far, I don't know if that would interest him. Well, he did say he's not interested in making a like movie in the present. So right, and that's like <laughs> I get it. it like, it clearly that stuff doesn't interest him. But like, by and large, like that is where my interests lie. You know what I mean? Is in like looking at the human experience and like trying to make sense of it and being empathetic and whatever you're exploring. Like, not that you can't do that in these period pieces, but there's just um. Like an emotional through line that's kind of missing from his movies that is something that I typically, just my own sensibilities, typically look for. So I think that's part of the reason why like I'm not as high on him compared to some other people. But um, that's, that's not why you watch movies? It's not. Well, <laughs> it is why I watch movies. It's just not what resonates most with me. It's not why I love movies, if that makes sense. I know. I was uh, borrowing a line from Film Junk. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, no, I don't listen to Film Junk anymore. Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. I still do, but <laughs> not as much as I used to. I just don't watch right, as well, many movies anymore, you know? I don't know how these guys keep up. Still too Fucking busy playing years Elden later. Ring? No, I've kind of moved on to uh, uh, MLB The Show. 22 you know working on that diamond dynasty a little simulation (laughs) yeah dude (laughs) no i still play Elden ring a little bit but i don't know it's just busy we've been traveling and i don't know i hear you but uh speaking of Elden ring and the northmen how did you like that little uh boss battle in the middle of the movie i don't think that's a spoiler really boss battle oh where he retrieves the sword or whatever yeah (laughs) that felt very like video game (laughs) it did yeah well video game i would say it's more like uh like a like a like a like a quest or something which we typically associate with video games but it definitely felt like part of like a hero's journey where he's like gotta go to this crypt to retrieve this mythic weapon that will help him defeat the you know like I did like it though. I liked the way that it was it was filmed. I liked that. I don't want to be too specific, but the battle concluded, and then there was like a ch- like a reorientation of reality in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. where then he like has completed the task, and then he can retrieve the thing. Like I thought that the way that was done was pretty cool and unexpected. Um, lots of individual standout moments like that. 
Like that, there's that, as you called it, the boss battle, but there's also the like the nighttime sequence where the, um, I mean, I'll use the term that the movie uses where the slaves are like tied up to fend off demons. And then there's like a fog that rolls in and then you have like, you know, like it's, it's like a hallucinogenic thing. Like I, I'm Dude, pretty sure they poison was... the soup or whatever. And then it was just like the way that whole scene was constructed was dope. So badass. Yeah. They did poison the soup. Um, and then, yeah, everyone hallucinated, but yeah, I thought that scene was awesome because it felt very chaotic and it, yeah, it, it played out like you feel, you know, a bad trip would play out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> oh, so let me ask you this. So were you on board with the, the love story aspect of the film? Like, how do you think it was handled? Because I'm a little Anya mixed Taylor on Taylor Joy stuff. Yes, yeah. Uh, I could have, yeah, taken it or or leaved it. Um, it felt. I don't know if it felt forced necessarily, but it did feel like, uh, oh, we need like uh, some sort of love interest for our our hero. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it was maybe not as fleshed out as it could have been. Like it it maybe felt a little forced or just there wasn't enough time spent on it to really like feel for it. But, um, I didn't, didn't dislike it. I just, yeah, maybe could have been a little more. That was the really sell it. Yeah. Like that definitely felt like an area, an aspect of the film that you could point to and say like, this feels like, potentially studio interference and that it's like it feels like the most half-baked element of the film but that is something like you said like having a a romantic angle for the protagonist that feels like something a studio head would like you know try to cram in there to make it more palatable to a mainstream audience and it just came across as unearned in a sense, because it just it progresses so quickly, and it's such a pivotal aspect of the film. Come the climax, you know, because there's like a part of the prophecy is a is a decision that his character has to make involving family or or revenge, essentially. So it that definitely felt like something that Eggers was not as interested in, but maybe was pressured to spend more time with and maybe that's kind of why it feels like it doesn't quite come together in a meaningful sense like by the end of it it makes sense but it just feels like how we get there didn't really work for me is that kind of how you felt too? right yeah i mean it does feel a little convenient for the ending um but yeah it almost seems like a little too simple or obvious just to say oh it was studio interference because I don't really think it's the type of movie that needs that, you know, aspect of it. Or it's just, I don't know, it's not really, yeah, it just doesn't seem that interested in it. But other than to, like, tie up the end. Right. I don't think you necessarily needed that for the end of the movie to work. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just guess the it's direction there. it went. It's, it's there to provide, like, tension 
for the choice that he ultimately has to make, I guess. But like thematically, I don't know how useful it is for the story he's trying to tell. Like clearly it was there. I just wonder if they like made it more prominent in the final cut or something. I mean, I haven't read too much about, I know Eggers has been outspoken about how he, he never wants to make a movie like that again like a big budget studio movie like that again, just because of how much they tried to like chip in and like alter his vision. But I Mm -hmm. don't know a ton about the specifics, but that like not knowing the specifics, like from the horse's mouth, like that is the one thing I could point to other than like just kind of a, uh, a general lack of just kind of the weird shit that we're accustomed to seeing from him that's the one aspect of the film that I would point to and be like, okay, this, this feels like it's here to make the journey more palatable, but I don't know. It is also a ham, you know, not maybe not directly Hamlet inspired, but there are a lot of elements of the Hamlet story in here. So, I mean, that could be part of the reason why her character in that aspect of the tale in there, but yeah, we could have maybe used a little more of her character, but I did like how, they tried to play it off as like he was like the the muscle or you know like the the physical person in this story and then she was more like the brains of the operation and she was like using her her wits to like outsmart or defeat the enemy and then he was basically just like this hulking presence that used his body or whatever right just brute strength um, yeah and I feel like we're kind of touching on this, but um, I feel like the movie could have either been shorter or longer. (laughs) Uh, Not saying I disliked what we got, but yeah, it feels like they could have fleshed out some aspects of it more. Um, But then due to the simplicity of the picture, it could have been a little shorter just because like some of it just feels like we're not like wasting time, but that yeah like there's just a lot of build up to the end and um so and and again the story is so familiar that it feels like it could have potentially been just like a shorter version and we wouldn't have really lost much Mm -hmm. no i agree it's yeah it's a movie that simultaneously feels a little too long and a little too short which is weird which is weird to say but it's like that's why I'm like a little mixed on like I still haven't finalized a star rating just quite yet it's probably going to be a game time decision I guess because I'm I'm kind of <laughs> torn but that's part of the reason why is I just feel like there's some element of it that didn't quite click for me but overall I really admire the film and enjoyed it like I was never bored there were stretches where I was a little not even disinterested, but I, I wasn't like on the edge of my seat. Like it wasn't one of those movies, you know what I mean? Right. But I'd never lost interest. So, I mean, maybe I, I guess that is ultimately a pacing issue, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I, I definitely am more eager to rewatch this than the lighthouse. Not to say that I'm not going to rewatch the lighthouse, but I, I don't know. 
I'm I, I I on a first watch I like this movie more than the lighthouse so we'll we'll see ultimately once I do get both those rewatches and kind of where where I land on those two films because they're so different mm-hmm. from one another you know it's so interesting that you look at his filmography thus far and like you can see his sensibilities but each of these films like I guess this movie has more in common with the witch than the lighthouse but they're still very different and kind of going for different different things but fully committed to their respective visions so if and when he does his nosferatu remake is he going to call it the nosferatu to stay in line with the rest of his films his his the uh (laughs) titling (laughs) um i don't know the vampire (laughs) yeah (laughs) he could (laughs) that would be awesome (laughs) yeah i'm curious um one last thing Uh, Unless you have something else, too, that you want to tack on after this. But I do want to bring up... I'm not going to call it a rivalry because it's all just people kind of putting their own perspective on on this trifecta of filmmakers. But you got to admit, it is interesting that from the starts of their careers, Robert Eggers, Ari Aster, and Jordan Peele have been compared to one another. And Mm -hmm. yet again we have a year where all three of them are slated to release their third feature films. Like it's hard not to make the comparison when you're looking at the trajectory of their careers, right? Because all of their movies have come out basically, I don't know about the exact same year, but I think that might actually be the case. I mean, let's see when did midsummer come out? 2019 lighthouse came out in 2019. Uh, us did they all come out in 2019 have they actually released all three of their movies in the same year each time maybe not the first one because i think get out came out a little after well we reviewed get out out after the witch at least so i think the witch was 2016 and get out and hereditary were 2017 but yeah, but then either way. yeah, the second feature I think all came out twenty nineteen, right? Yes, and now we have well, their third because, features. It's because they all made movies, and then the studios or whoever were like, we're, "We got to get these guys' next movie out." <laughs> <laughs> are they all a twenty four directors? I think they are. Yeah, is Jordan? Uh, well, no, maybe not Jordan Peele. I don't think his movies are are a twenty four. Are they? No, he's, but Ari for he's, sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't know about his third movie, but I know the first two at least. So same ha- with same with Eggers, right? Ha- having now seen Eggers' third film, I mean, is he your boy of those three? I'd imagine he is. Yeah. yeah. If I had to claim one, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then Peel, then Aster. Aster at the bottom. You love Midsummer, yeah. though. No, I don't. <laughs> I thought you did. Did you not? Uh, I liked it. But I, I rewatched it and definitely felt more in line with you. Maybe not as critical. <laughs> yeah. But um, I could definitely see some of the stuff that you're saying. I I hate to say, I, I don't want to come out and say, like, I think he's overrated because I do, I do like Hereditary a lot and I do still like Midsummer. Um, But yeah, it seems like. I don't know. I guess it depends on who you ask, but it seems like he might be the favorite of the three. 
Just because people fucking lost their shit for Hereditary in Midsummer. I don't know. I feel like Peel is probably the the front runner. What's interesting about those three guys is that I think both of, of Jordan Peele's films have been incredibly successful. Like he's done really well, but mm-hmm. they're the least from a from a, the perspective of like a singular vision and like a filmmaker who you can point to and be like that is something that is unique to that person. Peel, I feel like, would be on the bottom of the three, if that makes sense. Just as far mm-hmm. as like us and Get Out are are in, are both awesome movies, but they're like visually compare at least compared to Eggers and Astor, like less interesting. You know what I mean? Like he Peel yeah. is is simultaneously the best. And the least interesting director of the three. Does that make sense? At least if you look at my star ratings of these three guys' movies, Peel would be the one for me, but I I don't think he is. You know? Yeah, it seems... Yeah, Peel seems more interested in, like, the idea or, like, you know, what it, the movie's trying to say. And then it seems like Eggers is basically all in on filmmaking... And then <laughs> Aster is going for like that, not like wow factor, but like, yeah, it seems like he's trying to like one up himself and like really lean into like the horrific aspects. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see. We'll have to we'll have to circle back to this conversation at the end of the year once we've seen all three of their of their third features. What is Aster's new movie? Do you? Do you know anything about it? Yeah, it's called Disappointment Boulevard, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix is the main character. So oh. that's all. I, that's all I needed to hear. Is it set in L.A.? I don't know. I don't know much <laughs> about the detail. I don't know. Um, I know it's Disappointment about Disappointment Boulevard. <laughs> I know it's about an entrepreneur. That's mm. about all I know, though. And, and it's got Joaquin Phoenix and um, some other like big name people in it, but. I don't know much else beyond the title and that Joaquin's in it, but I don't need to know much more to be all in, you know? Are you hyped for Nope? Nope. Damn. <laughs> I, based on the trailer, no. But both of his previous movies have been awesome, so mm-hmm. uh, I am excited for it, but I'm not like... I mean, you know what movie I'm most hyped for, and it's fucking oh, yeah. next week. Saving all your cream for your men. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be creaming (laughs) all over men, dude. (laughs) All right. Uh, Any other points on the Northman before we wrap up the review? One last little thing. Uh, In regards to the production, I loved all the uh, costuming and specifically Clay Spang, Fiona Newer, however you pronounce his name. His look, I thought, was amazing. Just... That dark hair with that beard, the chain metal, he looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, Adam Driver in The Last Duel. They both nailed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the Just the vibes as far as like <laughs> the way everybody looks and acts is immaculate in this movie. It's so good. Um, yeah. I guess I, I, one last thing I want to say is I was really struck by the performances in the film. Like everyone is doing killer work 
like especially Skarsgård. Like I think his performance is probably not going to get any recognition at the end of the day from an awards perspective, but mm-hmm. he like fully embodies this character and is committed and he is jacked as fuck in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like when he's covered in blood and just fighting, I was like half chub the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that guy. Dude, he is, yeah, he is ripped in this movie, though. Like, he, like, leans forward. He's so jacked. I know. (laughs) It's insane. Oh, also, I am here for gross sexual tension between Skarsgård and Nicole Kidman. Like, this is now the second time we've seen it, because it's there in Big Little Lies. And -hmm. now we have it again, the fucking, I don't want to be too specific, but the Oedipal, like, weird sexual tension oh so good and again i don't want to i don't think we really need to get into spoilers as far as like the that the trajectory of the story with his mother nicole kidman's character but my one of my favorite scenes actually i'm gonna say it my favorite scene in the whole movie is when they confront each other and there's a, a revelation that happens but nicole kidman's performance in that scene is top notch like she is one of our greatest thespians and she just is always picking like she's always vacillating between these like you know kind of stereotypical like Oscar Beatty like housewife roles and just like working with auteurs and just doing like the weirdest shit like mm-hmm. she's worked with Lars von Trier she's worked with Gus Sands your goat like Nicole Kidman is a real gem. She's so fucking good in this movie. Under kind of underutilized. I wish she was in it more, you know. Yeah, that scene was really good and oh. I wonder if that weird sexual tension was some of the stuff that he couldn't lean more into due to the the studio interference. Oh man, I want to see the uh, the director's cut of that oh, scene. Yeah. Oh man. Also, just think if there was or how much dong there would have been in this movie if there was no studio interference. Is there any dong in this movie? Uh, I was looking look forward close. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking forward at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see a couple of ragers. I was honestly kind of I probably missed out on the like on that scene because I was just hyper focused on like uh, just a flash of ball. Like I want to see like a ball swinging. I was looking for like oh, yeah. a floppy dong. I probably th- that was a killer scene, and I just the the blade and the cock swinging in unison. I was barely watching. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even see the the fight scene. <laughs> um, one last thing, the final image of the film. Oh man, injected straight into my veins. I was loving it. <laughs> I love that the aesthetic of of that that interpretation of that concept. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, and yeah, without getting into it, the, the final battle does look amazing, and it did deliver. It's good shit. Mm-hmm. All right, I've settled on a star rating. I'm ready. All right, well, I'm a five. I think it is a light five, and like I said, it is my least favorite of his three movies, but um, we'll see if that changes at all with the rewatch. Mm-hmm. I am uh, settling on a 4.5. I was kind of oh, between a yeah. 4 and a 4.5, but I just, it doesn't fully work for me, but what does work, 
I absolutely loved and I'm, I'm excited to see it again. I will be purchasing the 4K when this thing drops and uh, really liked it. I would say I don't like it quite as much as The Witch. The Witch is also, for the record, a 4.5 film for me. Um, but there's just something about the ending of The Witch that just really just does it for me, you know? Yeah. It just it just works in a way that uh, his last two films just um, haven't quite gotten there for me. So four and a half, just four for the listeners, four and a half for the witch, a four for the lighthouse and four and a half for the Northmen. So I like this guy. I like this guy. I'm just not, uh, you know, I'm not riding his dong, although I would if he would show it to me. But Oh, I'm riding it hard. This is... (laughs) Just lacking the a half star deduction because I didn't see Dong in the final fight scene. <laughs> really, it's a tragedy, but what can you do? I'm a man of principle. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. Well, that was the Northman. Let's go ahead and move hey, on to what we've been watching. You haven't talked about a particular movie. I know on exactly the show. where you're going, and I need another beer. Before I do that, <laughs> so let's take a brief uh, sixty-second intermission. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. I am right. rehydrated. Before we get into movies, Matt, you're gonna love this, mm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna share with the listeners. So, you texted me right before we were supposed to hit record and said that um, you were gonna be a couple <laughs> minutes late and you were waiting for Haley to finish showering so you could make a mud pie and. Then when you said that you were going to go grab another beer, I came to the realization that you were not making a drink called Mud Pie, that you were actually taking a shit. Oh, you thought I was made? <laughs> <laughs> I even Googled. I was like, Mud Pie? I've never heard of that. That sounds interesting. So I Googled Mud Pie drink. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is Matt making for the podcast right now? Oh, my God. <laughs> That is uh, fucking funny. Why would I need to wait for her to finish shit. showering so I can make a drink? I was confused, but when you said I need to go grab another beer, uh, <laughs> it was actually like a moonshine situation out of the tub. I had to wait for her to get out of the tub so I could <laughs> mix a cocktail in the bathtub real quick. I was like, oh, maybe she knows the recipe, or she, uh, she, he needs help making it. I have no idea. Oh man, that's fucking funny. <laughs> So mud mud pie is from um, I think you should leave, which you oh, you okay. you never you still haven't watched that have you? Uh, I watched a few episodes of the first season. Oh man! Not- oh, well. So then the very first episode, you remember the skit with uh, uh, the toilet paper thing where he's like, "You took too small a slice. You didn't wipe. You didn't finish wiping." You remember that skit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's he he talks about. He calls it a mud pie in that skit. So now oh, Haley sure. and I refer to our shits as pies. It's good stuff. It all makes sense now, but I, I had to <laughs> that share. That is so funny. <laughs> I'll have to tell Haley that when we're done recording. <laughs> Fuck. Like, um, wow, Matt's getting fancy, making cocktails for the podcast. Yeah, dude. My boy's making cocktails at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Is he okay? <laughs> it's like, oh, a little chocolate syrup. That sounds good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> all right. So you had alluded to a movie uh whose thoughts both of us have seen it uh have mm-hmm. not had a chance to talk about it on the show yet 
pretty sure I know what movie you're talking about. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that movie is everything, everywhere, all at once. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something right now that uh, you're probably not going to believe me. But everything, everywhere, all at once, I, on a, fir- a first time watch... I would probably place it at number 10 on my favorite films of all time list. Wow. That's how much I fucking love this thing. It like, it's one of those viewing experiences where I just, it felt like a movie that was made for me. Like everything from the action, the silliness, the, the earnestness, and, you know, it's perspective on life. The fact that, you know, nothing matters and everything matters. Like, that just fits my perspective and my sensibilities so neatly. I was in full-on tears, Travis, watching this movie on, like, three or four separate occasions. Like, forcing back Audible, like, <laughs> like full-on, like, sobbing. I was that moved by this movie. I am in awe of it and it i'm just saying it now they're like there's not gonna be a movie that i like more than it this year i don't see how it's possible i fucking loved it and i am very curious to hear your thoughts on it because i saw your star rating and i was pissed so let me hear a little bit what did you uh what didn't work for you well it's gonna be pretty embarrassing for you if there is a better movie this year i know right that would mean two movies from this year well two at least would be in your top 10 of all time what are the odds if it's gonna be one it's gonna be men or it could be crimes of the future or it could be petite maman you know what i might have fucked myself but i stand by it (laughs) all right go ahead let's hear it so i did not have the same experience as you while watching this i almost had the exact opposite reaction as you um and that is unfortunate, I I guess, for myself. But uh, for me, the biggest issue I had was this, or with this was the humor. Uh, I thought it was all pretty stupid, and that stuff wore tired like real quick for me, and I just really couldn't get into it on that level. And then also just the way it was constructed and edited and all that, I just thought, it was a little too busy and repetitive. And so again, that pushed me further away from it. And yeah, due to those reasons or aspects, the end didn't really come together for me or really do much for me. So like the emotional through line or whatever, I just didn't care for. Maybe it was cause I was already checked out at that point. Um, but yeah, I was very disappointed with this one. And I know I am in the minority because mm-hmm. everyone fucking loves this movie. The The praise coming out of this was insane. Yes. People, I mean... I mean, I'm, you're one of them, Matt. So. That's, yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, I was also... I mean, I'm like you. I see people react to things like that and when they when when something is 
made up to be like the second coming of Christ or something like just like unbelievable hype. I very, very rarely find that those movies resonate with me. Like Parasite, Parasite would be a good example. Like I, I think Parasite is an awesome movie. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, it was like number six or seven on my list that year. Right. You know, like it, it mm-hmm. wasn't like the film of the decade for me, like a lot of people. So there's, mm-hmm. I am always skeptical when a movie's hype reaches this level, but I went into it, you know, I ain't going to a skeptical, but I went into it with an open mind and I, I feel like I didn't let the hype color my experience, you know? Well, like, I will say that, I did go into this with an open mind as well. Didn't have like a chip on my shoulder or like a, you know. Like an attitude or something about it. Impre- impress me movie. Show me something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Why, yeah. Why are people reacting this way? I like, on, honestly, the trailer, I think I said this on the X episode, but the trailer didn't do a whole lot for me. I was like excited for it, but wasn't like, you know, overly eager to see it. But the praise coming out of it is what actually got me excited. I was like, wow, this thing is supposed to be amazing because everyone is just loving it. So I went in like ready to love it. I was, I was all in, but I don't know, 30 to 40 minutes in, I was just like, this is not working for me. And I just felt that way (laughs) to the end. (laughs) So I'm going to go on a limb here and say you didn't love hot dog hands least favorite part oh man i love hot dog hands <laughs> oh god like that's the kind of so did you also find the humor off-putting in swiss army man it's been so long since no. we covered that movie i liked swiss army man it's so see because the humor the sense of humor is so similar in those movies i'm surprised that you were so off-put by it in this one but liked it in i that don't know movie. maybe it was because it was like a little more like personal and it was definitely a smaller scope. So, like, it was... Swiss Army Man is uh, more intimate than this one. Like, I mean, there are, like, intimate moments in this, but it's still very busy and kind of a loud movie, even though there's, you know, there's, like, moments of intimacy with, like, the family and their relationship and all that. But, like, I don't know. I, I just liked the, like, the smaller scope of Swiss Army Man. And, yeah, like, the... The, the weirdness and like the fart jokes worked in that. And yeah, just for some reason it, it didn't work in this one. It just seemed like it was too much, like the entire time, just <laughs> cranked up to 11 and just not, not my kind of 11. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Um, I will say I, Travis, I would like for you, if you could, to read read a review on Letterboxd when you get a chance. Not to like like try to sway your opinion or anything. I just it really crystallized for me why exactly the movie resonated with me so much, and I was like very moved by the review as well. Um, do you follow uh, Demi? I don't know how to say his last name. Ida Jube, I think. I on do. Letterboxd, you do. Um, go to, go to his profile for this movie he he's seen it four times so the review in question is this is the second of the four give that a read when you get a chance um just because like i i I had a hard time when i left the movie like i was trying to like reckon 
with how I felt about it, like trying to rationalize, like, I feel like I love that movie more than any movie I've ever seen. Like I was, I was trying to like rationalize it because it felt weird. Right. You know, like I left the theater and I was like, is that my new favorite movie? Like it, it felt weird to say that. So I was like struggling to like figure out why exactly it resonated with me so much. And I, I read that review and everything just kind of crystallized, like everything he says in there. It's, it's very personal, but, like, I related to a lot of it, and it made me realize, like, that is why I love the movie so much. Was it just everything about its outlook is just exactly how I view the world, and I loved I absolutely loved it. So do me I a will, favor some, and read it sometime. I will give his review a poke, but he I will say he is a bit hyperbolic sometimes with his praise and looking at his belt curve on Letterboxd. I don't know how much... Um, stock we can put into any of his reviews because his ratings are basically 4.5 or 5 or they don't exist so he only rates movies if he gives them four and a half or five is that what i'm gathering yes yes okay i don't yeah i don't really know we need to teach him how to use letterbox properly (laughs) i mean clearly that's a deliberate that's a deliberate choice he's like trying to highlight only the movies that he like fully endorses he still leaves lots of reviews like i like reading his stuff i think he's pretty funny um Mm -hmm. but it's interesting i like i hadn't actually clicked on his file and i've done that now and yeah i guess i had i had never noticed that he only rates you know four and a half and five stars that's interesting he's he's fucking up the averages and i'm not a fan of it (laughs) but um also, in regards to everything, everywhere, all at once, I am willing to give it another shot, and I will, again, go in with an open mind and see if my tune changes. But, and I'm, yeah, I am not trying to be a hero here with, uh, you know, going against the consensus. It just didn't didn't work for me. Maybe it, it caught me at the wrong time, or I caught it at the wrong time. But um, this is where I'm at. Yeah. And I, um, I, uh, I respect that. I mean, you know, I respect your opinion on, on movies. That's why we've been doing this for, for so fucking long. So I'm not going to yell at you for not liking movies I like. I will always blame myself first before the film. I would be curious what you would think. I, I kind of feel like if that was your reaction the first time, I don't really see it, you know, really crystallizing for you on a rewatch, but you know. I appreciate that about you, that you're willing to to give it another poke. Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but, like, yeah, all the aspects of humor didn't really work for me. Like, uh, there's a reference to a Pixar film that I thought was stupid. Uh, <laughs> there's a scene involving rocks talking that... I oh, thought just I love was, that. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I hate that Letterbox uh, changed the reviewed icon to a googly eye, just like they did with the flame for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it. I hate they got to cash in on the hype train, you know? It's just it's gross. Yeah, I was I was incredibly <laughs> <laughs> I was incredibly moved by. It. There's just so many lines that just like, oh, like the one that sticks out to me, and it, it's very simple. But there's a line, um, Michelle Yao's character Evelyn, she says something along the lines of, uh, 
of all the places I could be, I just want to be here with you. And I, I cry like a baby when she said that. I just like, I know that's a, that sounds corny and like, there's not much to that line, but just everything preceding mm-hmm. it and the themes of the film and the character's journeys. Like when she says that, oh, uh, you I was just turn into a puddle. I was a wreck. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> There's several lines like that, that I was just incredibly moved by. And you know me, I'm a line guy. I'm a, I'm a screen, a screenwriter guy. So mm-hmm. that's why I love Richard Linklater. That's why I love Charlie Kaufman. If you can make me cry with a line of dialogue, I love you forever and always. And this movie did several times. So there we go. All right. That's all. That's all I need to say on it. We don't need to to dwell on that one. But speaking of Linklater, have you uh, tapped into Apollo Ten and a Half, a space <laughs> age childhood yet? Not yet. I wanted to watch it, but Haley's not interested for whatever reason. And um, did you see my star rating on that one too? I did not. Did you love it? Oh, did not. <laughs> What'd you give it? <laughs> Two and a half. Woof. Is it like it is. too kid? Is it like kid friendly or what? No. It uh, the main issue I had with it is it just felt like member berries. You know, like just like nostalgia boner. For people who grew up in this era, which I didn't, I don't know, give it a poke. I'm curious how how you feel about it, but I just wasn't that into it. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with it at some point. It might not be until a cram jam, but we'll see. Early, early front runner for biggest free pass of the year. <laughs> I mean, I feel like people really haven't been talking about that movie that much. I mean, does that yeah, really qualify but... it for, for free pass? Yeah, but everyone's given it at least a pass on Letterbox. So here I am to course correct once again, <laughs> calling it out, just telling it like it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, fair enough. I'll we'll, we'll circle back after I catch up with that one. Um. Okay. Well, what else have you been watching lately? I mean, we haven't recorded in a while, so there's a ton that I'm sure we could talk about. I'll I'll, I'll single out a couple things, but what do you um, got? Well, if we're sticking with new releases, I checked out Michael Bay's latest effort, Ambulance. Oh, yeah. How's that? Uh, did you see my star rating for it? <laughs> no. I did not. Oh, man. Uh, so I was somewhat excited for it. I do like some of Michael Bay's movies. I'm one of the few people who actually enjoy the Transformers movies for what they are. All of um, them? Uh, the ones I've seen, yeah. Oh, man. The first one's the only good one. I do like Bad Boys, you know, a couple of his other movies. Bad Boys is probably his best one. Yeah, I would agree. It's all downhill since then. but um, <laughs> And that was a lot. I was like 25 years ago, but... <laughs> yeah. But Ambulance was probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Oh my god! What did I, you give it? A half star? Half star. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah, I could not just turn my brain off and enjoy this for what it was. Uh, it is very stupid, and it is way too fucking long. So it, yeah, it had his back up against the wall from the start. <laughs> Jesus. Well. <laughs> This movie is as long as The Northman, and I'm finding I have a hard time believing it does 
as much with its <laughs> with its runtime. But interesting. That's another it's, movie that's had like a weird amount of hype behind it. Yeah, people are digging it, I guess, for what it is. But I hated it for what it was. Um, <laughs> there's like some there's some terrible terrible writing. It's, it's super silly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's and it's just way too fucking long for what it is. Like this is this movie was like made to be 90 minutes and it's 2 hours and 15 minutes and it feels it brutal time. brutal dang well now i'm honestly more curious than ever i feel like i need to see this thing to to weigh in at this point Very yeah i hope you're on hope you're on my team though Very interesting. <laughs> well i can't i can't picture myself loving it but i mean <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see <laughs> Wow. Oh, I watched a movie uh, uh, relatively recently that uh, I saw from Letterboxd that you are a huge fan of, and mm. I'm kind of surprised. Um, uh, once. The, oh, uh, love Once. Musical. <laughs> I, I wanted to love Once. I'm so big Sing Street guy. Lo- I love Sing Street. Sing Street is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one he did with, uh, Ruffalo and, uh, Kira Knightley. Not so much. <laughs> I, so I like that movie more than once. I was pretty underwhelmed by once. Like it's clearly a lower budget compared to his other film. So it's not the mm-hmm. best looking movie, but I just, I was not impressed by the songs. I just didn't like the music and I think that's what it boils down to is I was not as into the songs and I didn't care about this weird like it's 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 a love story I guess but they're like he's like way older than her and I just feel like they didn't really have any chemistry on that level and I don't know I didn't dislike the film but I was very underwhelmed by by once it's probably been a while since you've seen it I'm kind of curious why it resonated been with an, you so much. Been a long time, so I can't really say <laughs> much. But yeah. um, I do remember liking the music, and you did just allude to that you were your line guy. I f- that if I remember correctly, there is a line or two lines, one definitely towards the end that just really catapulted this one up for me. Oh man, now I'm curious. I was not moved in the slightest by this movie. And I, I want to say the line, the line may not even be subtitled. Like you have to look it up afterwards or something. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember exact. Like it might be like a let the right one in scenario where <laughs> she's doing the Morse code and you don't know exactly. Your own is up to your own imp- interpretation <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> uh. Yeah, like I said, I can't remember exactly, so I may be speaking out of turn. But um, it, yeah, if I remember correctly, there's there's a line towards the end of the movie that just really, you know, made it all come true. So I just Googled, and under Google it says, people also ask, and the top answer is, what does the girl say in once? <laughs> this is where all five stars come from. <laughs> the Google after the viewing is what bumps it up to the fiber. Well, this can't be it. It says when he asks if she still loves her husband, girl answers in check. 
Muliji Tibe, which means I love you, but coyly declines to translate. Huge. Oh, man. That's. (laughs) God damn. How moving is that? I love you? Whoa. Hey, you said you were a line guy. Profound. Yeah, I wouldn't call I love you in check a line, but <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I, do I don't you, know what it was about. Do you it. remember that moment though? I mean you had to have. You just watched it, right? I I kind of. I You weren't even watching it. I was on my phone half the time. Busted. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I I did on I did have a hard time focusing though, watching this. I was just like I mean, so you know me. Ninety it's a, minutes. It's a love story. It's a it's a musical. I I was like excited to watch it, and I just I don't know. I was kind of bored by it. I don't know. Sing Street all the way. I do like Sing Street. Sing Street's probably the better movie, but um, I I guess I need to rewatch once. You gotta rewatch Begin Again, dude. That movie's huge. Yeah, I guess three and a half. That's a huge star rating. I gave it two and a half. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder when he's going to make a movie. It's been a while. John Carney, I mean. I don't think he's done anything since. Maybe to TV. I feel like he seems like a guy who has probably done like a fucking TV show at this point. Oh, yeah. you know what? He has done a TV show. He he, he did that fucking uh, that Amazon a show based on the New York Times column, Modern Love. Uh, He did that show. He's like the showrunner for that show. Have you watched that? Nah, I'm not interested. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Although apparently his next, the next project he's tied to is an untitled Bee Gees biopic. Sign me up, dude. The Bee Gees? (laughs) I love the Bee Gees. I can't wait. Interesting. All right. Your turn. What, what, what else have you been watching? Uh, let's see. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, we'll continue the, the new release train. Petite Maman. Oh, man. Okay. So. Also a in the running for biggest free pass of the year. <laughs> really? <laughs> this So based on what little I know about this movie, this seems like a, a Matt movie, not mm-hmm. so much a Travis movie. <laughs> Uh yeah, I would agree with that, and I, I'm sure you will like it. You'll definitely like it more than me. But I'm curious how much you will like it, just because for me, it just—I don't know—just felt kind of inconsequential. Like it just there wasn't enough there to really like get into it, and it it was like over before you knew it. And there's like a few like cutesy moments that I think you're just supposed to be like, oh, oh my god, isn't that so sweet? Or oh, I remember that you know like that feeling or or something yeah like as a child or you know like it's i don't know it's kind of playing like on nostalgia as like being a kid and then also just like uh, your relationship with your parent but i don't know it just didn't do much and i'm I, i know she's like an acclaimed director and all that but i just don't get why because this seems like it's getting pretty high praise as well yeah Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as well. I thought I was going <laughs> to love the runtime. Seventy-two minutes can't get much better than that. But this is one case where I would have liked the movie to be longer. Mm. And I never say that. 
Right. Never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't know when I'm gonna have an opportunity to see it. I I can't wait to get the fuck out of this this state, dude. There's my options are <laughs> if it's not playing at Regal or the one screen independent theater down the road. Like my options are limited. So. Who knows? Yeah, Regal doesn't get as many independent movies as AMC does. I'm starting to realize that after making the switch. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna unfortunately be sticking with Regal too because Bellingham is a Regal town. There's no AMC mm-hmm. in Bellingham, so um, yeah, everything like north of Seattle is pretty much exclusively it's slim pickings. Regal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, did you watch? Uh, well, I'll, I'll keep going on the new releases thing. Have you seen The Lost City, or do you have any interest in seeing The Lost City? Not interested. Not interested. Um, I watched it with Haley the other night. It was a good time. Uh, it's not a good movie, but like I gave it three stars. Like it's pretty funny, but it's really silly and it's very generic. It's it you know it's like a feel good kind of clever blockbuster movie right you know like it's it's Mm -hmm. not a movie i regret watching and i wouldn't dissuade somebody from watching it but i'm not going to tell people to seek it out unless you're already interested which well you just also feel like it's one of those movies where you know exactly what you're getting before you watch it and And you get it yeah it it delivers on its promise (laughs) (laughs) it's a fun entertaining action romance romp you know what i mean like it's nothing more nothing less so it's like you know it it sets out it accomplishes what it sets out to do i guess so i do like the cast uh i like sandra bullock channing tatum they're both really funny and i there's there's one line in particular do you know who patty harrison is um, did you watch, uh, I think you did to, to, to together, I think that's what it's called from last year with, uh, uh Ed Helms. Yes. And so Pat, Patty Harrison is, uh, uh, the female lead in that movie. The, the one who is pregnant, like the surrogate mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I think she's fucking hilarious and she has, <laughs> I was dying. Haley didn't think it was funny, but there's, there's a scene in the lost city where, uh, her character is trying to distract a character's mother and the mom is like, I don't know, in her seventies or something. And Patty Harrison sits, Patty Harrison sits down with her and she goes, Hey, what's up slut. (laughs) (laughs) And I fucking lost it. Just her line delivery and the fact that she's talking to like a grandma and like the, the other character like looks at her and she, she shakes her head and she's like, no, that's not it. When she, when she, I fucking was dying. Like there are some pretty funny moments in it, but um, I would say if you if it's something you're interested in, give it a poke. If you're not interested, don't bother. It's you know, it was good for what it was. It it, it is streaming though, right? Paramount Plus. Yes, Paramount Plus. I would maybe watch it if Chelsea was like begging me, but beyond that, <laughs> don't really have any interest. If she just like wouldn't shut the fuck up about it, I would be like, all right, <laughs> fine, we can watch it. Yeah. Oof. Otherwise, almost two hours long. That's not a selling point. That's what you get these days, dude. At least it's not over two hours. Come on, give it a break. Yeah, but for this type of movie, come on. Um, Quick question for you. Is Marvel officially dead for us? 
to me. <laughs> have you seen? I haven't seen the new Spider Man or Doctor Strange yet, and frankly, I'm not that eager to do so. I saw the newest Spider Man and thought it was okay, and then um, yeah, I haven't seen Doctor Strange two yet. Am curious mainly because I liked the first Doctor Strange, but yeah, I yeah, I'm, I'm not now that like it's already been released and I missed it on first weekend. I'm. I don't really have any interest to rush out to the theater to catch it. It's just I don't know. Gross. I'm. I'm intrigued. Um, it's Sam Raimi directing it makes it a little more interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Sam Raimi as much as the next guy, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I have, has much of it been spoiled for you? As mm. far as like, you know, the whole thing is the multiverse, and I don't know. The whole thing just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's just like. Those movies have always been very pandering and like fan service oriented, but it just like I don't, it's crossed a line for me at this point, dude. I'm just like, I it's love it. Gr- gross. I just ugh. you've turned to the dark side. I'm over it. It took a long time, but I don't give a fuck. I don't. I haven't watched any of the the Disney Plus TV shows since WandaVision, which I didn't even finish. I still have one episode left in WandaVision. Yeah, I didn't finish like, it either. I just I'm over it, dude. And they're doing the same thing to Star Wars. It's like how many fucking Star Wars shows are they gonna put out? And I don't know. I'm just waiting for yeah. Ryan Johnson's new trilogy. I mean, um, that's the thing. It's like when those movies used to be released, it was like an event. But now it's just like it's not an event because you you have to like spend your entire life fucking watching these things and getting caught up so you can watch the next one. And mm-hmm. that gets old after a while <laughs> yeah i'm i am way behind on marvel i haven't seen shang chi i haven't seen black widow i haven't Man, seen spider-man <laughs> can't wait for love and thunder though dude how stoked are you for love and thunder the sequel to your favorite marvel movie how hyped are you Um, uh, not hyped but um <laughs> i might watch it we'll see yeah we will see um what else we got here? What I've been watching? Oh, um, the faculty recently rewatched the oh, faculty. That movie. This was fucking rules, dude. That was one of my favorite movies growing up. I haven't seen it in years, but I was uh, happy to see your high star rating. Oh yeah, <laughs> in twenty twenty two, still fucking <laughs> awesome. I mean, you know, I love Robert Rodriguez, but I hadn't seen. I've only seen the faculty once, and it was when I was in high school. And I liked it back then, but it didn't leave much of an impression on me. Now, though, oh, man, it's super funny. The cast is stacked. I mean, you got Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett, Jordana Brewster, fucking Usher, Selma Hayek, Jon Stewart. Like, everybody's in this thing. It's super funny. It's gorier than you would expect, or at least than than I was expecting. Um, Just a killer time it's just one of those movies that i feel like moving forward i could just put on whenever you know and have a good time watching it dude the the twist in that movie (laughs) oh i know (laughs) back then it was like holy shit yep (laughs) crazy but but now i'm sure it's it's probably a little corny no i mean it was it it's it's more illustrated than maybe it was back back then but it's Still, that movie rules. I, I love the faculty. I'm a big fan. I remember Josh Hartnett's character having a very cool car in that movie. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's a cool guy all around. Drug oh, that's dealer. That's what he was. Dude, I mean, Josh Hartnett was like one of the coolest people in town when that movie came he out. He was the shit. I used to love that guy. 40 Days and 40 Nights. I used to love that movie. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's one I bet very much does not hold up nowadays. I can't I can imagine that. that movie. This guy who's just like so horny it's unbearable <laughs> just watching this guy just so horny just come just dripping out of his eyes like i can't imagine that movie is <laughs> holds up <laughs> probably yeah. pretty problematic it's probably we'll see, a safe bet. <laughs> now i want to rewatch it just just to see you know interesting um i'll mention like one or two other things what, what, what else do you got uh, let's see. I, oh, I rewatched Funny People last night. First time I'd seen it since the theater back in 2009. Oh, I've been curious for a rewatch. How, how, how did it hold up compared to, I mean, did you like that movie back in the day or? Uh, yeah, I remember liking it, but I remember not loving it. I just remember it being too long and not as funny as some of other, his other movies, Judd Apatow. The big, it was the beginning of the end for, for Apatow. Yeah. I still feel pretty similar to when I did in 2009. I do think it is pretty funny, though, and I I like uh, Adam Sandler quite a bit in it. I think he gives a good performance. Um, but, yeah, it just it just feels too long for what it's trying to do. And it is primarily a comedy but then they try and inject some emotion or sadness into it but that kind of dissipates like halfway through the movie and then it just kind of drags on too long yeah i remember there being like some standout moments in it but overall pretty unremarkable yeah interesting did i tell you i watched this is 40 I think I talked about it on the show for for a third time. Like I gave it one final shot, and it's still just not I, not a very good movie. I do recall that. Yeah, yeah. fucking appetite, are, man. What are happened? you gonna watch the bubble? I did watch the bubble. Oh, you did watch the bubble. Yeah, I forget if you talked about it or not. No, uh, uh-uh. that that I wasn't planning on bringing it up, but um, <laughs> I gave it three stars. Like I, I, oh, so I laughed. It. Uh, you know, I, I laughed. It's I thought getting it was railed on. Oh yeah, books. big time. <laughs> I just pulled up one point nine average rating. <laughs> that is abysmal. That's like Freddy versus Jason numbers. Oh yeah, that is not good. I I laughed out loud quite a bit. It's not a good movie, but I mean, three is the ceiling. It looks like <laughs> it's not gonna go up. It can only go down from three. <laughs> But, you know, I had a good time with it. Haley and I were consistently were consistently laughing, and I like the cast. But, yeah, definitely a little tone deaf, for sure. But I didn't mind it. Yeah. I like, clearly, I liked it more than most people when the average is 1.9. So, you know, I'm not going to call myself a hero, but someone else could <laughs> if they want to. Um, let me see. Oh, I rewatched uh, Interstellar the other night. Mm. And I will say, it finally clicked for me. And you would you finally admit it's Nolan's best film, right? No, not that. Ugh. Not that far. God. But I don't think I don't think anything can top Dunkirk for me. Oh, get real. That's your favorite. 
Yes. Oh, We've man. been over Oh, this. God. I mean, I knew you were had a boner for that movie, but I didn't know it was your actual favorite. Man, you should have checked my pants after <laughs> we saw Dunkirk and I met. Oh, God. I mean, I was there, too. It didn't do anything for me. I know, I know. But different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But it but clicked yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, I've always liked Interstellar, but each time I watch it, I like it a little bit more, and I finally got it up to a five this time. Yes. I feel like the the story and the emotion and the themes finally resonated with me, and uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 like When I watched the movie this time, it felt like it was almost like a first-time watch for me. So I don't know if the last time I watched it at home, I was just like not in the right mood. And then, if I remember correctly, the first time I saw it in theater, it was not the best experience. And I was like bringing some baggage into the theater, (laughs) (laughs) which is very unfortunate because um, I saw it like in real IMAX at Pacific Science Center. So I saw the perfect, you know, representation of it. But we were going with a group of friends and one of our group of friends went to the wrong theater. And then Chelsea and I were basically like scrambling to get into the Pacific science center before they like shut the door and was like, you know, fuck you. You can't come in. Uh, cause they do that there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think I, I was like in my own head a bit while watching the movie. Cause I was like, I didn't know if our friends had gotten into the movie or if we were... Because I was doing the, like, fuck you, I'm seeing this at Pacific Science Center with or without you kind of... That's what mode I was in. Right, right. As you should But then as I sat down, I was, like, feeling guilty. Like, well, what are they doing? Did they go see the movie? Should we have not gone to see it here? So I was maybe, like, in my head a bit while watching it. And so it was, you know, maybe a little checked out. Um. That's what I'm going to blame it on, at least. Sure. At least for my first few. You got to rationalize but, uh, it now that you've come on the uh, out the other side, loving it. <laughs> you got to find some way to rationalize it. But even like the big spectacle moments and stuff, like they really hit me this time. But like prior to this watch, I, I didn't really think of this movie as like much of a spectacle, even though it is. And like oh, it's a yeah. space movie, you know, it's Nolan. Like, but yeah, like some of those sequences are amazing. Um, on the level of Dunkirk, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Also, one of the, one of the best Hans Zimmer scores. I oh would say. yeah, Just, the score is huge. Oh man, it does. It, it's doing so much work, you know. Just mm-hmm. on an emotional level, on a like on a hype level, just building tension. Like, oh man, killer score. But yeah, some of those sequences, like the uh, the water planet with the giant waves, and like mm-hmm. when they're like orbiting Saturn or a Saturn like planet, and like all the wormhole stuff, that that shit fucks. Oh yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. Um, did you did you drop tear? I did not drop tear. Oh man, see that's I know you you're up to a five star, but when you finally. Are at a place in life <laughs> when you can be vulnerable enough to really appreciate it. That's the moment where Dunkirk can take a fucking seat and Interstellar will rightfully take its place as Nolan's best film. Barring a rewatch of Tenet for me, because Tenet, 
technically is the only five star movie I've given Nolan. Uh, well, Memento is a five star movie, but I still think Interstellar is the best. So uh, stay tuned, I guess. I hope we get a Nolan Fest sometime at Pacific Science Center in the near future where they play all of his movies in real IMAX. Well, at least the ones that are shot in IMAX. Because that would be amazing. They probably will. Probably in the lead up to his fucking Oppenheimer, his nuclear bomb movie he's making now. (laughs) Not interested. Come on. I mean, I'm interested because it's Nolan. (laughs) And there's like every actor known to man. Yeah, I know. What's he going to do with time this time, guys? What clever thing is he going to do to manipulate time in this movie? We'll have to wait and see. Probably detonate a nuke and fucking destroy the space-time continuum. And he's gonna, <laughs> who knows what he's got up his sleeve. But we all know it's going to be something to do with time. This is no I can't get away from it. The beginning of Nolan's uh, multiverse. Right yeah, <laughs> it's gonna. The nuke is gonna go off. It's gonna drop on Hiroshima, and it's gonna open a portal to Dunkirk. <laughs> Dunkirk is gonna walk through the portal, and it's gonna meet Batman, and it's just gonna be nuts. John David it's Washington's gonna, be a, gonna show up. A Matthew McConaughey cameo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's in the bookshelf. <laughs> It's going to be like an Easter egg. Like there's going to be a scene where Batman is talking to uh, the <laughs> Jonas brother or something from Dunkirk. And you're just going to see a book fall off a bookshelf in the back in the background of the of the shot. Oh, man. Nolan nerds are going to nut. Can you imagine? <laughs> I wish he, he I wish he would. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be the first time a filmmaker has gone so far up their own ass that there's just no coming back and i kind of i kind of hope it happens we'll see and you would be there for i would i would be first in line (laughs) big time um i'm gonna say two things real quick so i saw on the plane uh catch me if you can the steven spielberg film Mm -hmm. i had never seen it before so first time was on a plane, and uh, that movie's awesome. I like that movie a lot. Four and a half stars. Should watch that again. That's a that's a fun flick, if I do say so myself. That is just a good time at the old cinemas. Uh, not much else to say beyond that. I mean, the movie's fucking twenty years old at this point, but uh, finally caught mm-hmm. up with it. And one last thing I'll mention. Friday the 13th just passed, so Haley and I uh, drank some beer and watched some scary movies, and uh, I picked a film I had never heard of, actually, called Intruder, which is uh, an 80s like slasher film set in a grocery store, and I really liked it. I mean, that's, you know, kind of my lane is like trashy 80s slasher movies, like The Burning or... Uh, uh, the Friday the Thirteenth movies, although I'm not a huge fan of those, but um, Slumber House, Slumber Party Massacre, stuff like that, and uh, it's a it's a really fun movie. There's some really good kills. Um, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are both in it because it's like directed by this guy Scott Spiegel, who I guess I don't know the exact relation, but I guess he's he's worked with with Raimi in the past, like around that time, you know, the Evil Dead. Dark Man era of Sam Raimi's career. Um, Scott Spiegel directed uh, From Dust Till Dawn 2, 
Texas Blood Money and Hostel Part 3. So he is the sequel jobber of uh, popular horror franchises. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his acting credits, it's fucking Sam Raimi movies. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man it's 2. Sam Raimi's Evil filmography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Raimi's always got to hook his homies up. Bruce Campbell oh, yeah. is in all of his movies. Anyway. So some relation there, but it was it was really good. I mean, if you're if you're into eighties cheesy slashers with fun kills and just like movies that are a good time, this is one of the better ones. I was I was a big fan of it. I do like some of the movies you mentioned. I'm a big fan of the Burning and Slumber Party Massacre as well. Then definitely check it out. It's on Shutter. Right. So if you like those movies, you would definitely like this movie. It's it's pretty fun. It's one of those movies that's like, it's not so bad that it's like you can't get into it, you know? Like it's, mm-hmm. there's some, it, it's it's very Sam Raimi inspired in the sense that there's just like, it's like if Sam Raimi was bad at making movies, if that makes sense. <laughs> like just weird shit. Like there's this, there's this shot in the movie. It's, it's in a grocery store, right? So like there's a shot in the movie where it's, it's black and then. Uh, uh, one of the characters is sweeping and they sweep stuff off the camera. So like the camera is on the floor looking up. So it's like you start a scene and it's black and the character Mm. like is sweeping and they sweep debris off the camera, you know, like just weird, unconventional stuff like that. That doesn't really doesn't add anything to the movie, but like, you know, that's a thing that you would see in a Sam Raimi movie. So you can tell that there's that they're buds, but not nearly as good as of a filmmaker as Sam Raimi. But Sam yeah. Raimi's in it. And um, um, so it's Lester Raimi, not directed by Raimi. Correct. Okay. It, 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 it fits into the Sam Raimi uh, cinematic universe. Right. <laughs> um, that's all I got. That's all I'll mention. Let's see if I have anything else. Oh, another um, one that finally clicked for me. Her, directed by Spike Jones. Oh, I love to hear it. watched it and got it up to a five. Oh, and, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Pro- I s- probably, you know, still don't love the movie as much as you. Not many people do, but um, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do love it, and um, I don't really have any issues with it anymore. I, I, th- I think my stance on it before was that I really liked it, but didn't think it was saying much more than like surface level stuff. But um, yeah, that stuff did click for me this time. I think if there's one thing I could nitpick about the movie is the end or just like what comes of Samantha. It just seems maybe like a little rushed or like not like implausible, but I don't know. I feel like it could have maybe went in a different direction. And because of that, like the ending doesn't feel as like it's not as satisfying, but I love everything up to the ending. Oh man. I can't wait. Give it another year or two. Get that rewatch in and that ending. Once that ending clicks for you, it is game over, dude. It's going to be in your top 10, too. Because that ending is integral to, like, 
the what the film is trying to say about artificial intelligence and technology and the the limitations you know basically it boils down to you know what i'm talking about though right the the fact that 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 they that she like uh has grown beyond uh uh humanity basically like the code has reached a point where like the she gives that speech about how it's like i'm reading a book but the spaces in between the letters has become infinite kind of is that what you're talking about she just like leaves yes yeah that didn't Mm -hmm. do it for you (laughs) um nope that line didn't do it for me well it's (laughs) just kidding no i know but talk about Uh, lines i mean come on i'm chock full of them but oh yeah i don't know yeah maybe i do need to watch it again um it just I don't know. Maybe it like wraps up too quickly there or just, I don't know something about that. It's like the scene. I think he's like in a, a stairwell, like, um, at, at like a subway station or something similar. And he's mm-hmm. like talking to her on the phone and it just, I don't know. It just wasn't satisfying, I guess. I can, I can but, see but what maybe you're I saying. Missed, yeah. missed a piece of it or something. Maybe I'm not tying it all together. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think the point of that because like the the actual end of the movie is like him reconnecting with the Amy Adams character after they the the AI have have left, like they moved on, and it's just them. Mm-hmm. And like one of my favorite endings in the history of cinema is that that shot of just the two of them sitting on that rooftop after they've been left, and it's just like the humanity of that moment of them realizing like. I think it's a commentary on like the human love and attraction is that, you know, at the end of the day, like all we have is each other and our, our limitations as a species are part of what makes this experience beautiful. And I think that's why that ending is so important because it's like, it it recognizes that there's a, a limitation to love that humans can show for one another that these AIs who like aren't tethered to the human world can can experience love on a level that is just like kind of unfathomable, unfathomable to us. But it, right. it, for me, it's meant to illustrate like that, like the intimacy of human to human connection. You know what I mean? Because I think that's the moral of the story at the end of the day is even though it's like a, a beautiful love story. The moral of the story at the end of the day is like there's nothing quite like the intimacy that a human being one to, you know, human being to another can share. Like that's part of what makes us human, you know, Mm -hmm. is like the physical aspect of it. I don't know. It's yeah. Now you got me on a soapbox about her. again. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think there's a lot of interesting ideas in like how it explores how you could fall in love with your um, operating system or whatever. And, but then yeah, how at the end, like you just said, how like the human connection is like most important or will like always prevail or, you know, it's unmatched compared to the, the love or whatever you could get from the OS. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think there's a lot more going on there than um, what I initially saw. So um, yeah, it's up there for me now. I was just looking at Spike Jones's uh, filmography to see if there's like a, you know, 
like a in development section on his Wikipedia. And I just got super depressed because after her, his filmography is Jackass Presents, Bad Grandpa, Jackass Presents, Bad Grandpa, 0.5, Jackass Forever, <laughs> and Jackass 4.5. So he's just hanging out right now. <laughs> Although he was a producer, executive producer on Nine Days, which was oh. huge for you too. That makes sense, yeah. That definitely makes sense. <laughs> I mean, he he did do that Beastie Boys documentary for Apple, uh, the Beastie right. Boys story or whatever. But I should watch that. I love, I fucking love the Beastie Boys, dude. Oh, yeah. shit. Um. All right, that's that's it for me. Like I said, what anything else you want to mention before we wrap her up? Um, I'll mention one last thing mm. and it'll be brief unless you get on another soapbox. <laughs> I, I don't think you've seen this movie. I mean, as long as you haven't rewatched another of my favorite movies, I think we're fine. <laughs> but what is it? Well, I, I finally watched an Ozu film. <gasps> what Yazuhiro is it? Ozu. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Your guess morning. is as good as mine. Good morning. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Have I seen any of Ozu's movies? He did. Um, y- You own half of them. <laughs> Well, I own Tokyo no, Story. <laughs> I still don't think I've watched it. Is that it? Uh, He's late spring too, right? That's Ozu. Yep. I'm looking at his filmography. Good morning, huh? Mm-hmm. Where'd you watch this? On the Criterion Channel. I was looking for something nice and light. I thought you canceled the Criterion Channel. I did cancel it, but um, I got someone else's credentials for the time being, so... Oh, so I can't just reboot the app and it's just back to the way it used to be? <laughs> no. Damn, damn. Okay. Um, so, what did so you think? I did like it quite a bit. It's a very, like, simple and intimate story. It's, um, I don't know, I feel like you could almost just call it a comedy. But um, essentially, it's just about these uh, two kids, their brothers... They live in a little village and, um, you know, they spend their time doing things that kids would do. But um, they, the main, like, plot or thrust of the story is that the kids want a television set and their parents are against it. Mm. So apparently this is a gentle um, satiriza- satirization on consumerism in post-war Japan. Interesting. Sounds right up your alley. Not sure if I thought (laughs) of that. uh, I thought it was a very sweet and cute movie, and the compositions in this are unparalleled. Some beautiful compositions of this little village town in somewhere in Japan, I'm assuming. (laughs) But yeah, um, nice and short. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot to it unless you want to dive into the uh, the stuff I just talked about, the post-war Japan stuff. But um, yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Very cool. Maybe I'll... Uh, I have some free time later this evening because Haley's hanging out with a friend. Maybe I'll finally pop that uh, cherry on that Tokyo Story Blu-ray I bought fucking four years ago at this point. Um, and uh, we'll say there's some some good fart humor in Good Morning as well. Hmm. I can go either way on fart humor, as we discussed in the Northman. So, 
Yeah, but we'll when it's little kids farting, it's it's pretty funny. And oh, cute. that's good shit. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, one last thing I will mention since you brought up uh, Japanese filmmakers. Um, one of the highlights of our top 100 is when I dropped the uh, the nobody knows uh, cool guy pick oh, on yeah. my top uh, <laughs> my top uh, films. Um, so I can confidently say now that uh, Hirokazu Koreeda is an all timer filmmaker for me because I shortly after we recorded our last episode, I I bought the Criterion for Afterlife and. The reason why it popped in my head was, is because we brought up Nine Days, Afterlife. Do you do you have you heard of Afterlife? Do you know anything about it? Um, I have heard of it, but I don't know much about it. So, tell me if this sounds like Nine Days to you. So the premise of the movie is you die and you go into a purgatory type state where you are given a week to decide what memory you would choose to take with you into the afterlife. So this movie should have been called Seven Days? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So very, very similar conceptually to Nine Days, right? Because Nine Days is about like you have nine days and this person decides if they're going to be given the opportunity to live life or if they're going to just you know their spirit is just going to pass on skip Mm -hmm. basically it's monopoly where you know advance directly to go skip everything else whatever so conceptually very similar but oh man like this guy i can't think of a more humanist filmmaker than Corey ida like he is just so in touch with the human condition and you know me any movie about the human condition i am just gonna lap up like a dog you know what i mean so i was mm-hmm. loving afterlife it's i found it incredibly profound so moving very well acted and uh, this guy is big time i mean he's got a new movie coming out it, i'm pretty sure it just got acquired by neon if i'm not mistaken um it's called broker um for those who aren't familiar this is the guy who did shoplifters um nobody knows still walking uh his new movie comes out this year and i think neon just acquired it but anyway some production distributor just picked it up so he has a new film coming out this year so maybe i'll be eating oh. my words about the With the uh dad from parasite Song yeah kang ho mm-hmm. he, he lives in seoul now so he's a japan he's japanese filmmaker but I, he works out of korea now um but yeah this guy rules so thank you for jogging my memory because i had seen it so long ago that i wasn't gonna bring it up but could be your favorite movie of this year my Broker. top 10 i could have a new <laughs> 5 20, 20 22 films in my top 100 between men broker oh man yeah that's true this is 2022 is off to a good start. So anyway, that's all I'm going to mention. But nobody knows still reigns supreme of his filmography that you've seen? Yes. Yes. If I had to rank what I have seen, I would say nobody knows is my favorite. Um, Probably followed by Shoplifter. I don't know. 
I'm dying for a Shoplifters rewatch at this point. So now that I'm a Corey to stand. You got to check out some of his other stuff. Still Walking is pretty high up there. and um, Oh, he's made a ton of movies. Yeah, Like Father, Like Son is one that I, I want to see. Um, he's made he's made a ton of movies, and they're, they're pretty uh, well-liked. He has a movie called I Wish that sounds heartbreaking. So, but yeah. This is your guy. I found my guy. And you've only scratched the surface. How exciting. It's, it goes Charlie Kaufman... Corey Ida, and then, I don't know, fucking, probably Aronofsky, I guess, after <laughs> after that. Just wait till men, and then... And then it's him, Alex Garman, through and through. Yep. Oh, man. You're uh, Mount Rushmore of filmmakers, right there. That's... What's, what's your Mount Rushmore of filmmakers? Safety Brothers take up two spots. Get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then Panos Cosmot. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Uh, off the top of my head, yeah. Top Safety four. Brothers. Mm, oh, but we're talking all-time directors. You're Mount Rushmore of directors. All right, I'm gonna go with Safety Brothers, Cohen Brothers, Tradward Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> And fuck it, Nolan, baby. Nolan. I feel like you should next time we discuss or ha- next time we record, you should uh, sleep on that. <laughs> Trey Edward Schultz. I know you love the guy, but I mean, come on. Are any of his movies even in your top ten of all time? No, but I've given all three of his movies five stars. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. What about your boy, uh, uh, Winding Refn? Eh. I don't know. We'll see what his next project Too is. Too many ups and downs. Yeah. I I could have maybe went with um, someone like Tarantino or Scorsese or Friedkin, but those are too obvious. Got to have a, one cool pick in there with the TES, Tess. Just keep the brothers going. Come up with more brothers. The Fer- yeah. Farrelly brothers, you love Dumb and Dumber, dude. Don't don't lie and tell me you don't love. And then Dumb the Wachowski sisters. There Boom. it is, the Wachowski sisters. There you go, S- sibling. Your Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore is eight people. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, is that it? I think we're done. All right, let's shut her down. Um, pretty good, just the two of us. I mean, we babbled oh, for yeah. two hours. I mean. If we were in a room together, this would be a three-hour podcast. You, just, you can't <laughs> shut us the fuck up. We need Tom in here to to get us back on the tracks, you know? That's true. Yeah, tell Although, us to wrap it up. It, it probably would have been padded with about 15 minutes of uh, NBA playoffs talk at the top of the episode if Tom <laughs> was in here. So True. The yeah. listeners are missing out right now. That's true. Yeah, sorry for all you <laughs> NBA heads who listen for the Tom content, the, to- the, Tom, the Tom tent. So... Hopefully we'll get Tom back in here, but Homeboy just doesn't have time to watch movies, let alone oh, no. record an episode about watching a movie. So, now the only thing he can do right now is play Elden Ring in like five minute, increments. right in between <laughs> feet, baby feedings and naps and working full time. Thank God for quick save. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> God damn, he'd be he'd be lost without it. <clears throat> All right, well, that's gonna do it. Um. I don't know if it'll be the featured ep- episode next time, but we're definitely going to be talking men. 
Um, I don't know what um, what's on the horizon. Do you know what's coming out in the next couple of weeks? I have no clue. Yeah, movies are dead. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> Even though all of my heroes are putting out movies this year. Yeah, that's be. true. Oh, we should also point out that um, we haven't posted our X episode yet. It might be a bonus episode at some point. But um, if you're curious to hear it, go check out the Suds and Cinema feed and you can find it there. Mm-hmm. That was the We're collab we did. All of our free listens. Yeah, you're welcome, boys. Thousands Enjoy. of plays. <laughs> They're going to check their stats and be like, what the? F- where do these people come from? <laughs> That's the Cinephiles Digest uh, Bump right endorsement, <laughs> endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> so you're welcome. But yeah, if you're really dying to, to hear our thoughts on X, go listen to their feed, I guess. We're on there. So, but That's yeah. the one free plug we will give to that show. That's the last time. If you want a plug, you're going to have to pay us next time. So. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, we'll be back. We'll see what the featured review is, but um, we'll be back shortly. Trying to, you know, get back into the swing of things now that uh, wedding season's over. Things are starting to die down a bit. Try to get back on a regularly, uh, a regular schedule. So stay tuned. And um, we'll typically try and have a guest while Tom's in uh, full dad mode. But um, I don't know. I think Matt and I can carry the torch without him if we need to. If we need to. I mean, this this was a success, I believe. We'll have to wait mm-hmm. and see what kind of shitty comment we get on SoundCloud for our... Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see what the feedback no, we is have like. to We have to review Doctor Strange 2 to get those kind of comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's not superheroes breathers. in it. Get a life, nerd. I know. Who comments on a SoundCloud podcast post <laughs> fucking get real that guys true <laughs> true batman fans <laughs> oh yeah he's a bat stand for sure big time big time bat stand. <laughs> all right that's gonna do all it right. for this week thank you everybody we'll be back soon bye-bye